Welcome to HeCast, the official podcast of He Changed It. I am Mike Chisholm. I am happy to be here. As always, this is a very cool vantage point to be sitting upon, watching uh, a company grow, watching and listening to the stories of our guests. I'm extremely excited uh, about all of those things. The company is uh, moving leaps and bounds. We are at the time of this recording about uh, two weeks away from getting into the app stores, not just in the beta, like the beta is already going. You can go to heatchangeit.com and you can already sign up and, and get the beta version of the app. But the actual uh, honest to goodness, shiny app is about to be put into the app store and boy, oh boy, a labor of love from, from its creators uh, and all of us as a community, as a, as a he changed it community, very exciting stuff. As always, we have guests with compelling stories. Uh, today is uh, no different than that. When uh, our, our our guest that's coming in today uh, was brought to my attention right as the he changed it idea sprouted, as it was as it was germinating and 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 getting ready to start growing, uh, Shannon Crab told me who we've interviewed on this podcast before, who Candace's partner, um, told me about this guy, and ever since then I have been very excited to dive into not only his story, but what he is doing because of his story. Um, I've said this before on the podcast that I'm one of those guys that doesn't like to focus on the problem. I like to focus on the solution. And uh, what Brad is doing for a solution, um, not only to kind of forge the path to help himself, but to show that path to a lot of men out there so they don't necessarily have to, to to forge the way that he did and can come to solution much, much quicker. Uh, Brad Robinson, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be on HeCast today. Hey, thanks, Mike. Um, definitely uh, excited to be here. Like you said, I, uh, you know, I've been waiting for this and hearing about this and anticipating this for a couple of years now. So super excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. And, uh, I'm I'm excited to, you know, talk about how I can help other people or, you know, my story and and uh and what I've what I've done up to this point. Yeah. So yeah, I'm cool. stoked, brother. I'm totally stoked. Yeah. Hey, before we get into your uh your background a little bit, uh, what was it? Um, do you remember the time when when it would have been Shannon who would have approached you to talk about this idea of he changed it? Do you remember when she did that? And do you remember what your reaction was? Uh, I, I do remember we actually, we had met through my wife, Vanessa and, uh, through, uh, they were taking yoga to get yoga classes together. And I think Shannon owned one of the studios. Yep. Um, and I just remember she was commuting back and forth and, um, and her and Vanessa were talking and, and so we got connected that way. Um, and we went out for coffee and, you know, it was a time too, when I was still going through a lot of healing, I still had a lot of, you know, unknowns with what was going on with me. And, and Shannon at that point had already, they'd already come up with the idea of he changed it. And, you know, it was something I'd never heard of before, especially for men. Um, and uh, I just thought it was, you know, the most amazing idea and for, you know, especially for two women to, take on that role and, you know, help try to help men destigmatize, you know, all the stigmas around mental health and, and that type of stuff for men, 
you know, I think, uh, yeah, I was just excited right off the bat. Yeah, me too. Uh, a lot of knots to untie with some of the things that you were just talking about when, when we're talking about these stigmas and, and ideas and education and, and, and vulnerability. And, um, it's, 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 it's a big undertaking and we're really excited that you're, uh, a part of this and you're willing, so willing to share your story and, and, and your expertise and, uh, what it is that you're building to be part of the, he changed it family. We'll get to all of that, but let's go back to kind of the beginning you're a, you're a, you're a BC boy, just like me. I'm a Kelowna boy. You're a, you're a lower mainland, greater Vancouver area boy. Yeah. Born and raised, um, uh, tri cities here, Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, Port Moody. Yep. Um, except for when I was down South playing baseball. Yeah. Uh, pretty much I've lived here my whole life and haven't ventured far out of, uh, I'm now in Pitt Meadows, so we did cross the bridge, but <laughs> yep, you know, you're a bridge away from your 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 old stomping ground. Yeah, exactly. So when you were a kid, uh, early on, parents put you into little league. Yes. Okay, so you just kind of went through like like normal kids. Uh, you know, you want to you want to put your kids into programs. You obviously had a had a, a penchant for athletics, so they said, okay, let's let's put them into baseball. Um, at what point did you know that you were better than most of the people around you? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I was, I started to have some success as I got to maybe, you know, 14, 15 years old. Okay. Um, and, you know, getting asked to try out for a team BC uh, at that age, uh, making that team. And then, uh, getting called up to a higher level, uh, playing, you know, a little league and then getting called up to Coquitlam Reds at a, at a younger age than normal, uh, having some success there. And then, you know, kind of snowballed, snowballed from there. And, uh, you know, when I was young, honestly, I was a big kid. I didn't grow much after about 14 or 15. So right. when I was 12, I was big. So it was just like, I was this big, strong kid that could hit the ball and throw the ball. So that was kind of you know, my advantage at that point, but sure. uh, I grew into the skill and the love for the game. And it was just, it was any, everything I ever wanted to do. It's interesting that you say 14. So at like nine or 10, if there's a schoolyard pick, are you the natural first pick or like, or, or was it really, um, and you, you were big early. So that, that obviously was an advantage, yeah. but you didn't dominate everybody around you at that point. It was, it was when you actually got into your teenage years that the, uh, yeah. The elite, the elite skills started to show themselves. Yeah. I would say in, you know, in my teenage years, I mean, I ended up actually like a little side note, but when I was 12, we, uh, our team from Coquitlam, we made it to the little league world series. No um, way. Yeah. So I was on that team and, you know, I was, I was a big kid again. Like, I, I mean, yes, I, I, I was a good athlete, I guess at that point, cause I played a bunch of different sports and that, but, I mean, it was just, I was, I didn't know anything about baseball. I just, I just went out and hit the ball and threw the ball. But then, yeah, like a couple of years later, I started to, you know, kept having success and fell in love with it and, and really, um, you know, started working hard at it. So, yeah, I, I mean, definitely around 14, 15 years old. Give us some perspective. Who were some of your favorite ball players growing up? Uh, well, uh, some of the listeners, I guess, that are around my age, you know, yep. in forties ish and upper, um, 
would recognize these names. I, I like the players like Wade Boggs yep. playing for Boston because I was a Boston Red Sox fan. Uh, Don Mattingly, um, he's he's a manager now. Um, yeah, it's hard. To, I, I can't really think off the top of my head. Would Roger Clemens guys, have been on that team? That was probably yeah, Roger, Roger Clemens. Clemens. And you know what? The yeah. Blue Jays in the early 90s too. Yeah, All those guys, Roberto Alomar and Joe Carter and, and those guys. Yeah. Um, as I, you know, I was kind of still playing at that, but at the end of my career at that point, but right. But yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I like, I didn't have anybody super special, but definitely Wade Boggs, Don Mattingly. Were, Those are uh, boys. And, and then uh, the interesting thing too, was uh, Larry Walker, who's Canadian. He's from Maple Ridge. So town over from where I am now. Yep. Um, when I was with the national team, he was, uh, it was playing his first game, uh, his first major league game. Cool. So, and he had played for the Coquitlam Reds, which is a team that I played for. So there was a little bit of a connection there. So always followed Walker's career too. So um, I always liked the Canadian players. As you're, as you're saying that, it makes me think of uh, when they cracked the five minute mile and, and, you know, they, people talked about how you couldn't run a mile in five minutes. You couldn't do it, couldn't do it. And then someone did it, or maybe it was the four minute mile. And then and yeah. they, someone did it. And it would seemed impossible. And then a few weeks later, a bunch of other people did it as well. Um, you you must have had a little bit of that kind of magic seeing those players have that kind of success at that age. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely makes you think, hey, if if someone else can do it, you know, why can't I do it? Why can't I be the next guy? Right. And uh yeah, it's it's inspiring. I mean, I I really love all the you know, the Canadian players, even now I still follow all those guys because after playing, you know, on the junior national team when I did too, I mean, it's just, I mean, playing for your country is something that, you know, as a, you know, it's a little, you know, it's, it's a definitely a pride thing. So, you know, I fall on part of baseball Canada still, and, yep. you know, I follow all those guys. So it's inspiring to see because, you know, there's not a lot of guys, there's only 19,000 and some odd players that have played in the major leagues and, uh, not a lot of them are Canadian. So when those guys do make it, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty inspiring. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny talking about this inspiration it's in, in that, that, that four minute mile and seeing these people and following and realizing that you can do it. Um, not, not different from what's happening right now, not just with he changed it, but with what you're doing professionally. And yeah. if we can, if we can help create some shortcuts for some guys, some little life hacks to help them, um, get better and bigger and farther than we did. Uh, we've done a good job. And I think that you'd, you'd agree with me saying that's what we're trying to do here. That's what we're all trying to do right now. Um, but it takes a journey sometimes to get to that place. So yes. you're, uh, you're, you're, you're getting older, you're, yes. you're out of your teens, you're getting called up to some of these, some of these select squads uh, at a younger age, you're a stranger in a strange land. Um, was it, uh, what was it like being, um, the low man on the totem pole age-wise playing with, with people at a, at a, at a, at a quite a bit higher of a maturity level than you from an age perspective anyway. Um, was it, was it weird being in that thrown into that fishbowl? Uh, it was weird. I mean, I think it was because I, I was, you know, asked to play on those teams or I was on the teams for the most part, if you can play, 
you're okay, but you're still the kid. Like you're still, you know, you're going to get the rookie treatment um, regardless of how good you are or who you are or anything. So that was definitely something that is on your mind. And, you know, like um, these, these older players, it is a big difference when you're 16 and when you're 18, Um, you know, you're, you're thinking about different things and you're looking at different things and, and you kind of grow up a little bit faster, you know, than maybe you would because you're around these people who are, those people are influencing you. Right. And have, you know, uh, that's, you know, putting experiences into, into my life and, uh, yeah, whether good or bad, those are experiences that you take with you for the rest of your life. So I was, I was going to ask, it was, I was going to ask, it was probably some good and some bad there yeah. with what you just said. I would think you saw some of the old school locker room stuff that uh, yeah. is stereotypical, I would think, and and could probably talk a lot about how the locker room has evolved over the years. Yes. As to where we are um, now. Well, um, yeah. we don't you know, and, and that might be a conversation that we get into uh, at another time or, or, yeah. or when you're in the, he changed it community. Um, you know, we're going to have a group here for the podcast and, and Brad's going to be hanging out there and there's going to be lots of other, uh, little tidbits that Brad's doing. That's going to be sprinkled into, he changed it. Yep. Um, let's move forward a little bit. You found some success and, uh, where were you? Well, what, at what point were you at in your career at around 18, 19? Is that when the magic started to kind of happen and you thought the freight train might be taken off? Uh, yeah, definitely about that time. So I graduated at 17. Mm-hmm in high school and then uh, played on the junior national team that year, that summer and went straight into playing. There was one college baseball team in Canada. It's called the national baseball Institute. I played for that for one, uh, one semester mm-hmm. or one part of part of one season. Mm-hmm. And then I was, uh, I was offered a professional contract offer with the California angels. And from that, I ended up getting, I didn't end up signing. And then they got me a place to play down in California to be closer, I guess, or, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, um, or so I thought at the time, right. That I was just going to go down and play. And then I was just going to be, you know, the big leaguer, but, uh, yeah, that, that really, you know, uh, if you, if you want to talk about like a turning point, like a positive and a negative and stuff that I've learned from that was when I, and this is like some of the, you know, some of the stuff that I talk to the kids about now, mm-hmm. be, you know, and making decisions based on strength, not on fear. It doesn't matter what the decision is. Doesn't mean it's right or wrong because that's up to you, but making decisions based on strength and not on fear. So what had happened was it's all I ever wanted to do in my life was to play professional baseball. Mm-hmm. It's all I wanted to do. And looking back, the pe- a lot of people that I looked up to and coaches and, you know, mentors, you know, people would say, ah, oh, you're too small. Oh, you're, you won't like the bus trips. Ah, oh, you won't, you know, you should go to school. You know, you never get this opportunity again, all these things. Right. And as a, as a, you know, a 17 year old kid who, or 18 year old kid, who's very influenced by these people in his life, 
or people in our lives, everybody, yep. um, you know, I, I ended up listening to those people because it was kind of bringing me down and kind of, I felt, I felt scared. I felt nervous and, and I felt the safe thing to do was to just go to school. Cause everybody, you got to go to school. You got to get your education. And that really sent me down a path that, because I didn't want to ever go to school. I wanted to play right. professional baseball. Right. So I made the decision based on fear. And, and another thing that, you know, that came out of that. So there's a couple lessons out of that was that, um, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but the, definitely the fear of, um, I don't know if you want to call it success or, yep. you know, uh, and, and versus, you know, even the thinking, unknown, even the unknown, right. You don't know how it's going to roll. Right. You're, you're rolling the dice at that point, making a pretty big decision not to go to school, uh, but to, but to play a sport in, in the, in the eyes of many people, that's you rolling the dice on something yeah. like that. And, yeah. and, and that's where that fear would come into that defensiveness or that, yeah. that hesitation, maybe. Well, it was safe. It was safe Yeah. to just do the other way because everybody says I should do it that way. Right. Um, and then honestly, that led to regret for the rest, like until I, until, you know, further on in my life when I was, you know, experiencing stuff uh, in the fire department, right. Where I had to do my healing and all that. I didn't even understand. And I carried that with me for, you know, um, for 25 years. Of, Before the end of this podcast, uh, yeah. remind me to ask you about regret. Yes. And, and I want to get into that. Um, and, and I think that people are definitely starting already to, to, to connect some dots. Um, so moving forward. So, so at what point did your baseball career end? Um, well, I, I ended up going down to school, uh, played a couple years. I was very, you know, I had really good success, especially in my second year. Yep. And then I came home. Um, and I just didn't feel good about it. And, uh, you know, people had, there was things that, you know, were said to me, not promises, but things that I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just go do this and then this will happen. And, you know, as we find out in life, that doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. Right. Something bigger and better comes along and, and, you know, takes your spot or whatever. Right. And, yep. And, uh, so I kind of, I kind of fell into a little bit of a rut and, and just bounced around. I came home, played some like semi-professional baseball. I mean, the, the beauty about baseball for me, there is like, there's so many positives this, you know, I don't want to talk about this, but that's what we're here to talk about. Absolutely. Um, I got to travel across Canada, almost was in every province. I probably got to play baseball in 10 to 15 States in the U S yeah. Um, Alaska, uh, you know, and, and so, and the friends that I still have friends from the teams that I played on and we still connect and even more now on social media, yep. you know, my best friend is in California still like my old roommate and our families hang out. We go down when we're allowed to go down, uh, when we can cross the border and that. So yeah. they're in Huntington beach still. So, I mean, I lived in long beach and now they're in Huntington beach. So, I mean, yep. you know, there, there is so many positives that came out of my baseball career. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't be where I am today if I would have 
sign that contract. Right. You know, I don't think I would have been in a, in a better place mentally just because I signed that contract. Yeah. I still, you know, believe that this is where I'm supposed to be. And, and everything I've experienced up to this point right now is helped me to be able to help others. And, you know, especially right now for me, the, the, the youth athletes um, that I'm able to talk to and help. So I wouldn't be here, man, if if all that stuff didn't happen. And, and, and I, I want to, I want to just make it crystal clear uh, for our, for our audience right now, you're, you're that guy. You're the guy who, you know, we always have heard stories about that person that, that woulda, coulda, shoulda done this. Yeah. And, 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 and that woulda, coulda, shoulda was a professional sports contract, a professional yeah. to live that life of the professional athlete. Yeah. The ones that are um, on a national stage are looked upon um, in a very different way, in a very, in a way that is just a, say for a minority of people. And we've heard these stories where if I would have zigged instead of zagged, I would have been in that place. Mm-hmm. Let's just do a little bit of armchair quarterback or Monday morning quarterbacking yeah. and looking back um, and saying, okay, now knowing what you know now, yes. if you would have done that, were you ready for it? Would you have been the guy that would have done that? Or do you think it would have led you down a, a path that you uh, weren't ready for? Okay. So here's, here's the way I'll answer this. Okay. Knowing what I know now. Yes. I believe that it wasn't about, I mean, all I ever wanted to do was play professional baseball. Yes. But I also believe that what was the hardest part for me by not doing it. Right. Was not knowing, not giving myself a chance to even try. So by not giving myself a chance to try, you never know. So again, another thing that I talk to the kids about, right. You know, it's, you know, if you just, if you don't give yourself a chance, you'll never know, right. right? To do the things that you want to do. So would I have made it? I don't know. I was pretty good, but it it's, it's, you know, it's right place, right time, right coach. Yep. I, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing for me, knowing what I know now is that I will never, ever in my life again, leave something where there's the unknown and and that, you know, and I like that's, you know, I share that with my son and, and, and everything and everything that he wants to do or everything, you know, the people that I talk to, it's, I just want people to know that, you know, that, you know, don't leave it on. If you don't do it, you'll never know. So if you really want to do it, just like try. Yep. And then you can go, okay, you know what? That's not going to work. Right. You're either winning or you're learning is the, uh, is a shorthand for, for a similar message to that is, Hey, you know what? Give it a shot. The worst case scenario is you learn something, right? It's the unknown. Yeah. And, and once you heal and once what, what I know now too, is once you heal, the unknown can be, you know, endless possibilities versus fear. You know, the ironic thing about what you're talking about is let's just say you did make it, uh, your life is completely different now than it was. And, and, and whatever happened, happened. You might not have learned this gift that you are literally telling, teaching to thousands of others, teaching it to your kids, teaching it to the kids that, uh, that you, you, you get to speak with and, 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 and touch the lives of you're, you're saying it to our audience right now. 
wouldn't it be ironic if, if you would have made it and you wouldn't have learned this lesson and a lot of people wouldn't have been able to be taught this, in my opinion, pivotal truth yeah. Yeah. for if you want to live a better life. That is a, that is a, that is a, a backbone concept if you want to live a better life, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, you know, I have nothing to add to that because you said it exactly the way that I would say it. And also, you know, I, my wife reminds me too, well, you would never have met me and you would <laughs> never have my son. <laughs> yeah, right? well, there you go. So there you go. You know, what do I say? There's a period to the end of that sentence. Like, right. okay, yeah. What gotcha. do I say to that? You know? I got um, nothing. So now let's draw the line because you kind of traded one brother. Like you athletes um, in team sports. I mean, that's a brotherhood. It really is. And, and um, you know, I think it, it takes being part of a team to kind of know that. And the deeper you get into that, the more you, you discover it and you see it. Well, you kind of traded one brotherhood for another brotherhood when you, um, when, when you transitioned over and you were, you were a fireman for a long time. Yes. And uh, another brotherhood, right? Like, yeah, you know, and, and in some, in some ways it's similar. Yep. Um, you know, the, the locker room, uh, you know, stuff and, and, um, you know, the brotherhood and, and yes, I mean, we're, we're amazingly close in that sense because we, you know, potentially are, you know, responsible for each other's lives. Yeah. Um, and other people's lives. Um, and you know, that was one of the reasons why I was attracted to the fire department, you know, the physical part, because it was, you know, a lot of athletes, they have a lot of sports teams and yep. That's you know, in your wheelhouse for sure. And, and then also, you know, the camaraderie, right. The brotherhood and, and, and being part of a, a team. So you're what mid twenties when you joined the fire department? Uh, I was early. I started actually, I was a little bit late. So I was, I was early thirties, early thirties. Okay. Um, and as this is happening and you were there for, you were there for almost two decades. I was there for, uh, officially for 18 years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now at some point you're carrying around a lot of, a lot of, uh, mental stuff, a lot of stuff in the background, a lot of bags. You're, you got a, you got a heavy back sack. Uh, that's, that's weighted heavily, uh, from a mentality standpoint. Yes. And with the fire department that gets amplified. Yes. How so? Um, and and why as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So definitely, you know, one thing I'll say about going into a job like that too is, and one thing they don't check for, because I don't know, you know, really how you can but you don't know what you're bringing in. Yeah. Every experience you've had up to that point, right from the time you were, you know, an infant to then you're bringing all those experiences in. Sure. So regardless of how you feel at that particular point, you don't know what's, what's in there. You don't know what's in those rooms. Um, you know, so I didn't know if I was bringing anything in, I didn't even think about it. Cause nobody, we didn't even talk about it. Right. But you know, over time and don't get me wrong. I had lots of fun. I had so much fun. I mean, my best times I remember, you know, being a rookie and, you know, having to make muffins in the morning and everybody throwing the muffins back at me and, 
you know, like, because just not because they were even bad, but just because, you know, and spraying you with the, ho- the, the water can, all that stuff. Oh, so you just didn't want to leave the locker room, Brad. That's just the yeah. whole thing. You traded one locker room for another one. That's exactly. all we're talking about. Okay. Except it was more, it was the locker room, but I was kind of in the, you're, you're, as a rookie, you're kind of in the kitchen a lot. So it's <laughs> locker room, kitchen, you're just in there and cause you're doing all the cooking and everything, but sure. But yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't something that we talked about, you know, you go to a call, um, we do our training, training takes over. I never felt inadequate. I ended up, I was actually a first responder instructor wow. for our department for probably 10, like close to 10 years. Wow. So I ta- taught first aid, um, to the guys. And, uh, so the first aid part never really like I didn't feel like anything was affecting me, you know, until the very end mm-hmm. of, you know, when I, you know, wasn't doing very well. So, so okay. Yeah. Um, Keep going. Keep, well, yeah. Uh, so yeah. you're a first responder um, instructor at this yeah. point. So needless to say, by that point, you'd already seen a lot of shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, and like you say, the training takes over. And I think that a lot of us can think about, you know, something like the born identity or things like that, where, you know, taken, you have a special set of skills and you're so dialed into those special set of skills that you got that muscle memory. Things are, things just keep going. You're, you're literally going through the motions um, with people's lives uh, with these situations. And then suddenly everything kind of stops or was it a progression where it was like, Oh, I don't know what's going on. Or was it a hard stop? Mm -hmm. So I would say that it was, it was a little bit of both. My family would probably say it was going on for a long time. I didn't notice as much really until the end. I mean, I'll just fast forward a little bit, but yeah. When I, when I, I, didn't ever go back. There was one particular time that I just, and then I just never went back to work after that day. Okay. Um, it was literally a light switch that just, it was like, that's the only, that's the best way I can describe it where it was like, I'm, I can't take it in. I don't like, I'm done. Like, I don't even know my brain. I felt like it just went dark and it was like, I, I was just done. Yep. So that was the, that was the end. And and I left on my night shift. I was lying there in my bed. It was a night shift. At that point, I might've been even, I was a Lieutenant and I was acting as a captain. So I might've even been the captain that night. Yep. I got up in the morning and I just remember like praying in my bed, not, and I'm not like, I don't, I'm not religious or anything. I, you know, you were crying out. I was like, please just let me go home. I just want to get home safe tonight. I I just, and then it's over. And that next morning I walked out and I never came back to work. Um, So, so so that's, uh, that's one of those moments in life. And I think we all got one of those moments where we can go back and put ourselves back in that place. You can tell that you can, you can put yourself right back in that, that moment. Anytime you want to, you can just tell, uh, what happened after that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, like there was a lot of build up to that too, right? The, mm-hmm. you know, 
stuff that I look back now and, 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 and go, wow, man, that was crazy. Cause like driving home from work and just start crying, you know, for, for no reason, not that there was a reason, but I didn't know. No, exactly. You know? Spontaneous, that, spontaneous weeping. Right. Just yeah. like I left the fire hall and then it's like, you know, floodgates, but anyways, yeah. yeah fast forward. Um, you know, there was a lot that happened in that period, but, Maybe we can talk about that another day that, I, the, you know. Yeah. I, I think we can paint the picture that yes. most of us understand what first responders, some of the stuff. That yeah. They see. And, yeah sure. and, and what happened is, is the result of those things and on, yeah. on you mentally. So what yeah. was that result from a clinical standpoint? What, what yeah, were so, you diagnosed with? So I ended up, so I think a couple months before that actual event where I never went back, I had reached out because I didn't know what else to do. So I, there was a like a little, and I was a health, health and wellness guy at work. Yeah. Funny enough. Yeah. Um, but so I knew where the cards were on the wall, like the little, the business card to call the, the EAP program. Yep. And I called and I just said, I'm, I don't know why I'm calling, but I just, I don't know what to do because I can't work. I can't function. And uh, so that was, I went and did a couple counseling sessions and it was, I would, you know, nothing was work. It wasn't doing anything for me. It was good to talk about it, but honestly, I thought it was my marriage. Like at that point it was like, Oh, like, because we were having problems and, but so, you know, we started talking about that, nothing about mental health issues or fire department or anything, um, which was so far from, you know, that we were having problems because of what was happening, not because of, you know, other stuff, but. So to uh, use a medical, to use a medical analogy, um, you were, you were, you were treating the problem like you're treating a headache with, with aspirin to mask the symptoms, but you weren't going to what was creating the symptoms in the first place. Yeah, Okay. exactly. Yeah. You know, um, and then I, then I uh, found a psychologist who had worked with first responders I went to him for eight sessions and I remember this exactly. And it just because it was such an important part of my life. Yeah. And it taught me a lot. Um, but I just felt like it was emotional dumping every week. It was just like one session a week. And I just would go in there and it would be like, you know, uh, the, the next week would be the exact same thing. And the next week would be the exact same thing. And I wasn't getting any better. wasn't getting any better. And I ended up, but I did learn that I, you know, he did say like, you are, uh, I asked him like, is this because of work? You know, is this, do you think that this is happening to me because of work? And he said, well, would you be in this situation if you weren't a firefighter? And so from that, it was like, he's like, yeah, you have, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. It's a, it's this, this, this. And so that was relieving for me to understand that like, I know it doesn't matter about the label, but at that point it did to me because I thought I was crazy. I didn't know, like, I didn't know what was happening. So to hear that, it was like a bittersweet, yeah, you know, kind of thing. It, it took a lot of pressure. It was very emotional, but it was like, okay, at least now, because it's like, like you said, like if, if you don't, if you don't have a, a starting point, you know, you're just going through the motions to, to, 
to the to try and fix something that you don't know what the problem is. So at least with having that kind of diagnosis, if you want to say, yep. it was a starting point for me. Two comments based on what you just said. The first comment being, uh, of course, uh, PTSD at that point would have been in its infancy. You might not even, it, it's, it's a bit of a buzzword now and people have a, a lot more yeah. of an awareness of it, but back then, probably wouldn't have even crossed your radar as something that was common, correct? Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, we didn't talk about it. We didn't, I mean, honestly, man, I could talk about just that part of it forever. Yeah. And, you know, like I was like, I was literally, I had gone to a course and I was sorry if I'm taking up too much time here. We're, we're that's okay, man. No, I was, I was going to a course with another fire department, a leadership course, because I was taking officer training and Surrey had had some suicides at that point, firefighter suicides. So I was looking at that and I was really struggling at that point. Yeah. And so he gave me all his stuff. We just started talking. He said, oh yeah, I, as a health guy, can I get the wellness, your wellness program and all that stuff that you're doing with? So I got all this stuff and I printed out a bunch of papers and it was like a PTSD checklist, a burnout checklist, like all these different things. Right. And so I'm checking off all the boxes. I do it myself. But what I was doing is I was like leaving the computer open and leaving my papers outside my locker with all the stuff on it. So people would see. Right. Because I couldn't say anything. I couldn't tell anybody. So I was like leaving all this like rabbit, you know, or. You're leaving a trail. You're leaving a trail trail of breadcrumbs. And, you know, nobody, like nobody said anything. I didn't say anything like, wow, it's just, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. Like the whole, how it kind of happened. Um, and you know, but again, uh, after I went to the, you know, the psychology treatments again, it wasn't like, I wasn't, I needed to heal. I needed to be better. I wanted to be fixed. I didn't want to just go back to work and Cause at that point I was going back to work. Like I didn't know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I reached out to a buddy of mine. He was a sports, he works with athletes. He's a sports counselor. And I said, man, I don't know. This is what's, what's going on. I, I, I need to, I need help. Like, can you help me? So I went and saw him. Absolutely. 100% gave me a 180 and started changing my life. Basically saved my life. Like I was, you know, at that point too, I was, it was like right around Christmas, you know, I was sitting in my room by myself, like didn't want to be around anybody suicidal thinking the world would be better off without me. Like my family would be so better off without me. If I'm just not here, then, you know, um, uh, they get all the money and and everything and, and I'm just a burden. Nobody wants to be around me. Like all those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it gave me a 180. Like his program started me out on the road to a hundred percent, you know, recovery. Right. Um, he built, he believed in a foundational approach. Um, so we're going to tear everything down. We're going to build you up a new foundation. Um, and, and, you know, and then start building your house back up. Right. And I just, it made so much sense because I was a trainer as well. Mm-hmm. So physically that made sense to me. Right. For if we have an injury physically, well, we don't just, you know, throw some ice on it and and hope it's better, you know, and maybe that's not even the problem. 
just because right. it's showing up in your ankle, you know, maybe your hips out, maybe your whatever. Right. So anyways, that foundational approach, complete 180 and uh, changed my life, saved my life. And, you know, sent me down the road to healing, sent me down the road to wanting to help other people, uh, started my podcast. Um, and, and then lucky for me, uh, and it's interesting because like the NLP part, my mom was, uh, she had breast cancer, like in the early eighties and she started doing self-help talks for women. And I think her thing was called breast friends. Huh. I, think it, it, I think it might actually still be around, but uh, that, so when she had that, she started doing her own kind of healing and, and, um, had started to get into NLP and, and helping people, you know, with, with that kind of model. And, uh, so I've been influenced by it my whole life, not paying attention to it, but unconsciously it's kind of been there. So the NLP part of it was just adding to already, you know, existing beliefs and values and skills. And when I took the actual course, it was, it was like an absolute, like, aha moment. Uh, mm -hmm. that I, oh my God, this can help coaches. Oh my God, this can help players. This was like day one. Yeah. And so creating these programs that I have now was, you know, part of that is kind of like the ending of not, it's not even the ending of that journey. It's, you know, I'm still learning stuff and I still, of course, you know, through that whole time. I, you know, I also took psychology courses and other things along the way, but, but that, what I liked about NLP and this, I know this isn't about NLP, but this is why I use the model Yeah, is because it makes so much sense to me in, in the point of that we, you know, um, they modeled excellence, um, in, you know, super high achievers and super high elite athletes. And how do these people do these things? Because what they're finding is that, you know, people are doing studies and they try and copy what someone is doing physically. Right. right. But you don't know what's going on in here. So that they, nobody was, they, they weren't getting results because they were just trying to, to, to duplicate what someone was doing physically. Right. So once they started going in and going, okay, well, let's dive deeper into this and go, what are you thinking? What are you saying to yourself? What do you believe about yourself? All, all these kind of things. Um, and that's what was fascinating about NLP for me was that all of these things that came out of it, you we have every single one of us has everything we need already inside us. It's not like some magic pill. When I go talk to people, it's not some magic pill, right? It's like, I'm just sharing this information and these tools and you have it in you already to be as successful as you want to be. But here's some new tools. I want to, I want to um, reorganize, unpack, and then close up in the next, uh, in the, in this next little segment here that we yeah. do, the, sorry. <laughs> the, no, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry at all. Because I think you've set the table beautifully. Um, 
and I just want to, I want to be clear on a couple of things that the other comment I was going to make earlier um, after the, the seeing that label or hearing that label of PTSD early on. Um, the other comment is that a reoccurring theme in some of these podcasts, uh, I, I think back to a gentleman that we interviewed uh, on HeCast who uh, has ADHD, mm-hmm. adult ADHD. And the freedom that comes sometimes in having something that is well-defined, that mm-hmm. moment where it's like, no, you have this. Yeah. And here are some techniques that you can use to combat this. And you're not alone. That The, the, the empowerment that comes from realizing that you're not alone is astounding. Yeah. And I think you would agree with that. Is that, is that a. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And the other thing is um, you have then, you know, you, you, you get this uh, um, awareness, which has also been a, a theme that has come is, is the awareness, the idea of uh, uh, when there's awareness that can also create empowerment, which can lead you towards solution as to where you're at. That's another theme that that has continually come up in our podcasts. Mm. Um, so you say NLP now. Now, what does NLP stand yeah. for? Okay, yeah, right. Uh, it's neuro linguistic programming. Okay, neuro linguistic programming. Yeah. And as you went to this, um, was he a he wasn't a psychologist? He's a sports therapist, right? He was. Yeah, he's a sports counselor. Okay, sports counselor. Um, and and he put you on this pathway. Um, the learning about yourself is exponential, which is, which is amazing. Uh, the empowerment is amazing. And that has led you to a new life in yeah. that regard. Uh, and, and going back to your um, thinking about regrets, going back to the idea of uh, not making a decision out of, out of hesitation, but instead, um, you know, don't, not, being, not shying away from the big things. Yeah. You walked away from that career yeah. knowing you probably couldn't do it again anyway, but it led to you make saying yes to an entirely new life. And that life is based around helping people have similar moments. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Yes. So what's the brand? What's it called? Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, thanks for asking. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so my company is called the complete athlete. Yep. And, uh, really, you know, there's a couple parts to it. I, I just believe in, you know, in a nutshell, we're people first. So regardless of, and that's what I learned in the fire department, from my experience in the fire department, from my experience as a player, from my experience as a coach, my healing, all that stuff, we're people first. So if we help build stronger people, as a result, we get Stronger athletes, stronger students, stronger husbands, stronger wives, stronger brothers, sisters, whatever it is. Members of society. Members of society who are set up for long-term success. Yes. In whatever they do in their life. Yes. There are That's- guys out there who don't feel that right now, who feel like they're stuck in a rut. Yes. And um, and if for for what what is your if you had kind of a few little points of advice for people who are feeling for men, especially who are feeling stuck in a rut right now, whether it's professionally, whether it's, 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 it's not achieving, you know, maybe having those, some of those regrets that you're talking about, what are some, what are some, uh, some takeaways that, um, that you could give to some of these men that are feeling this way? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a big question. Yeah. 
but it's also, you know, the, the, having the ability, I believe to, to let go of the past, the past is heavy. The past is, and not to minimize it because I've been through lots, so I'm not minimizing it, but it's, it's already happened, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to be your most successful self, you know, and this is a, this is kind of a a word right now, but, you know, be present, right? Life Mm -hmm. happens in the present moment. The more we carry around our past, the more we live in the past, the more we focus on the past. And I'm not saying the past is, is not important, Mm -hmm. but in the sense of being in the present and being able to move forward from things that are holding you back to be able to let go of the past. If there's any way you can do that, if you, you know, there's, you know, there's questions you can ask yourself even to just kind of be curious about how do I do that? Yeah. You know, like what, how am, why am I holding on to that? Right. Why am I, why does that bother me? Right. You know, like there's just, what's stopping me from just letting it go. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's questions you can ask yourself that, that open up a curiosity and maybe an ability to go, yeah, you know, like, why am I holding on to that? Because really it is up here. It's up here. I'm pointing to my head. If we don't have video, (laughs) no, we got video. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and once we can, you know, once as a, as a human, like if we want to make a change, you know, being able to let go of the things that are not serving you anymore, because a lot of times we hold on to that stuff because we feel like it might take away our power, right? You're holding on because I'm not, that person did me wrong or that thing happened to me and, and I'm not going to forgive that person or whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be a person, but right. we feel like if we let it go, then we lose our power. But actually the most powerful thing is that we do let it go because now, because the only thing that is holding us, the only thing that's affecting us yeah. is, or sorry, not the only thing that's affecting us. It's only affecting us. If we're holding something for someone else, that person probably forgot about it. Or that, that event is so far in the past, nobody even remembers it. Okay. But you're holding on to it. And it's only affecting you. So letting it go doesn't give away your power. It's actually super powerful. So to, to go back to something that you said earlier, um, in a way, it's almost making that safer play. Because it's, it's whether we like it or not like it, it doesn't matter if the security blanket is dirty. It's a security blanket. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's filthy, but we're holding on to it because it's what we know. And it's really in a sense that safer choice and to, to, to bring it back to something that you said earlier, the, the, the braver choice or the bolder choice. um, Don't be afraid to, to make that change, to let that, that, that dirty security blanket go. Am I on the right page with you on that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, who are you working with primarily now? What age groups are they? Is it all athletes? I mean, it's called the complete athlete. So yeah. um, obviously you've, you've, you've found your love of sport again and are, and are yes. uh, taking these, 
amazing um, things that you've learned and the, the, the courses and the, the accreditations that you have and mm-hmm. using it to impact others. Is it just athletes? Do you ever, or do you ever talk to uh, folks in the, uh, in the, in the, in the fire department as well? Um, I haven't cracked the fire department yet. Yeah. Still a, a tight nut to crack, especially when we're talking about change, making change. Yep. Um, you know, fire department and that's the way it is. It's a real tight environment. Um, yeah. That being said, I work with athletes right now and I'm focusing on baseball because of my experience in baseball. Of course. Again, of course. my, the complete athlete was just at the time that made sense. It's about, again, you know, it's about people. Yeah. It's, it's the same, whether I talk to somebody who is just a friend of mine or an athlete or a firefighter or whatever, all of it is the same, the same, it's the same, you know, the, the yeah. content is the same. The questioning's the same. The problems might be come out as different, but yeah. really, um, it's about people, man. It, like we're, we're human. I, my, my biggest thing is we're, we're human. We're, yeah. we're all people first. You know, what we do is not who we are, even though we're very connected to what we do. And I'm lit, you know, everything I talk about, I live this way. Like, yeah. but what we do isn't necessarily, you know, who we are. And as people, we, you know, it's not, we get lost in our identity so much, no matter what we do. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, and again, we do have a, a program called um, uh, for identity as well. Right. Because yeah. especially right now, like people are, are doing lots of, you know, soul searching and, and not being able to do the things they used to be able to do and, and feeling lost. And yeah. so we do have a program for, you know, everybody, uh, identity by design and, and it's, you know, it's all the similar principles, but it's helping you be the best version of yourself. Right. Because if, you know, we're the best version of ourselves and take care of ourselves, it's not selfish. It's a hundred percent necessary. Yeah. We are not what we do. I, uh, I really, really like that. And I think that sometimes that baggage that we carry in, uh, to situations that we're holding on to are the things that we have done. And many times it goes back to that place of regret. And, and I don't think, and this is where I wanted to come back to at the beginning when we talked about regret as we kind of close up here, um, we're not defined by the regrets that we have, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, you saw it in a big way, but you just kind of finished it in a smaller way saying, Hey, the things that we do do not define who we are actually yeah. who we are. And, um, I love this discussion. Uh, this time has flown by. I know. And like, like, like we knew it would at the start before we hit yeah. the record button. We knew this was going to happen. Um, you're going to hang around in the, in the He Changed It community as, as it expands. And I think there's going to be people as they hear this that are going to want to reach out. They're going to want to ask questions and things. Um, but even in that regard, you've got, um, You've got your website. What's the, what's the, is it completeathlete.ca? Yeah. The completeathlete.ca. The completeathlete.ca. Right. And you're on, uh, from the social perspective, Instagram's your jam. Instagram is probably the most, I do some, you know, more baseball specific stuff on Twitter, Yeah, but Instagram, 
Um, it's underscore the complete athlete. And okay. then uh, my personal one too is I always put stuff on there as well. And it's just B underscore rad Robinson, B rad Robinson. Yeah. B rad right on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But those, I, I yeah. Instagram's probably the, the place to find me. Um, you know, it's funny. We just literally scratched the surface today, but we provided a really good introduction for the next time you're going to be on the podcast for the next time that people might interact with you within the heat change the communities or, or, or on social media or, or those things. I just appreciate the fact that you're willing to kind of, uh, you know, take the covers down a little bit as to some of the, some of the scarring that you have. And, um, and, and not only that, what you're doing about it and how far you've come. And it's very cool to see you uh, declaring victory over some of these things that you've gone through, man. It's, it's inspiring. Uh, and uh, I just, I feel um, my cup is filled up talking to you. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, uh, to be a part of this today. And I look forward to the next time that we talk. Yeah. Thank you. I, I mean, I, I can't say enough how, how happy I am to have this opportunity to be on here. Um, you know, talking about, I mean, I am, it is my absolute passion talking about this stuff. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I want, you know, we just want to feel good as people. We want to feel good about what we're doing. And I really feel like when I am able to help people feel good about what they're doing, make a couple of changes in their lives, you know, and have some success and have some curiosity and know that maybe there's a different way to get a different result and not feel stuck. All those things. It's so inspiring to me. Um, so the more people that I can talk to or help or, you know, uh, more lives I can influence, the better it makes me feel, hopefully it makes them feel better. And, uh, I just love it. I, I, you know, the past is the past, man. It happened. It's, it's part of who I am. Yep. Um, but I wouldn't be here if it didn't happen and I wouldn't be able to help people the way I'm helping them without every single thing that's happened in my life. So I'm grateful Um, for that. Hey, gratefulness. And that's another, that's another thing. I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful for your message. I'm grateful for the next time that we talk already. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Brad Robinson, everybody. So that was another meaty, amazing episode of HeCast. It's, 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 it's very, I'm very grateful too. I'm very grateful that I can, I, I'm the one that gets to have this, uh, this front seat opportunity where I get to hear all of the stories and see all of the patterns. And um, at the end of the day, success leaves clues, healing leaves clues. Uh, These things that uh, uh, are becoming common themes. I hope they're becoming common themes to you out there as well, to the He Changed It community. Because at the end of the day, sometimes we can make things seem like they're overwhelming when they're really not. And uh, sometimes we overthink things. So I hope that this is helping. it's exciting to see where the He Changed It uh, company is going. If you haven't downloaded the app, go to hechangedit.com. You can right now, or maybe even at the time of this uh, broadcast, it might be even in the app store at that point. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, anything uh, pertaining to the podcast or He Changed It at all, please reach out to info at hechangedit.com. And very soon, we are actually going to have a HeCast community within He Changed It. So lots of exciting things happening. Thank you for taking this journey with us, being on this ride. My name is Mike Chisholm. I am the host of HeCast.
the official podcast for He Changed It. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time.